On the latest episode of the PCT podcast, we are delighted to be joined by a former professional footballer who made over 500 professional appearances in his career. Now continuing his career as a coach, allow me to welcome today's guest, Dean Whitehead. Hello, Dean. Thank you for taking the time for joining us today. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm OK, thank you. Um, you know, glad to, glad to be on here and hopefully share some of my uh, experiences. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some some real gold dust and some gems for any, any of our listeners today. And before I wanted to sort of get started on your career today and experiences in, the, in what is the wonderful world of football, can I start by asking you to let our listeners know what it is you're up to at the minute? Yeah, so, um, so obviously previously, you know, three months ago, was was assistant manager at, Shrew, uh, manager at Shrewsbury and um, unfortunately the manager lost his job. And so now this is probably the first time in maybe 20, 21 years that I've that I've had a little bit of time away from football a little bit. Um, because as soon as I as soon as I signed professional at 17, you know, I went all the way to 36 and then uh, you made the transition to coach straight away. Uh, no no real rest or reflection or anything, you know, straight roll straight into it. And, uh, you know, this has been a good time to, to kind of reflect on, on my coaching journey, my, not so much my playing, but more my coaching and how, you know, what we did well and, you know, what we could have improved on and, you know, what, what kind of was our down for in the end and, um, you know, try and learn from them and, you know, come out the end, out the other end, uh, you know, stronger and, and better coach. I mean, for those that are involved in football, will know the the daily, weekly, and monthly rigors of the game, and that sounds like a, a, quite an intense period. Are, are you enjoying this time now to just sort of take a, a step back and and enjoy a, a break from the game? Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, for probably a couple of months, but you know, that's that's enough now. I'm ready. I'm ready and refreshed and. Um, focused on on the next opportunity that, that will come along for me um you know i'm i've been obsessed with football since you know i was a small boy and you know that's just grown now into a into a coaching angle which is completely different to playing um but look, i'm i'm looking forward to getting getting back in now and um you know feel refreshed recharged and I'm ready to go now fantastic and before we obviously get started onto onto that coaching pathway let, let's go right back when and how did you first get involved with football, Dean? Was it some, when was it you started playing? I think I've always kicked the ball around since you know I was able to walk really, um, and you know that's that's up against the wall, that's in the garden, that's with my that's with my brother, um, friends. You know, I mean the world's completely changed now. I used to go out and and go over the field and, and play football at a really young age, but you know I'm not sure I do. I'd, I'd almost let that. With, with my kids today, with um, with how how the world is, but you know we were able to, uh, you know, back in what, what was it, nineteen ninety? Seem really old, but um, but that's that's basically how it. And and you know the my passion and um, enthusiasm for it just grew and grew. I watched a lot on the TV, um, watched a lot of football, and um, didn't understand it too much then, but I just loved the. You know, the atmosphere and the, you know the thrill of the thrill of the game really. So growing up, when you when you did start out on your pathway in terms of playing for a team, were you in, aware of any interest from professional clubs, or or were you sort of oblivious to that? Um, you know, I played for I played for my local team, Abingdon, and then you know I scored lots of goals and 
you play for the your Vale of the White Horse, which was my which was my um, my club, and then you play for the county teams, and you know, and and you know, people do talk, and you're in the papers for scoring goals, and um, there was there was a, there was a little bit when I was you know, getting into sort of nines, tens, elevens, twelves that. You know, I'd you know I'd England trials, I'd trials at Man United, and but it wasn't something that I was overly um, interested in. Really, I was I was just interested in playing playing football, enjoying it with my friends, and um, and not playing for my local team, really Oxford Oxford United, which was um, it was my local club, and um, that was something that, that I wanted to do. I didn't really want want to do anything else um, at the time. I just wanted to enjoy my football and. I live at home and live an easy life, really. You mentioned there you played for your, for your local side, Abingdon Town. Was was this sort of 14, 15, 16 that you were playing there before Oxford came along? No, this was even before that. This was probably from under sevens, eights, nines, tens, elevens. Um, I'd be playing for Abingdon on maybe a, I think it was a Saturday. And then I'd be, I'd play for the Oxford School of Excellence on the, on the Sunday. Um, sometimes from the county sides in, in the week, and you know, I did that all along until I couldn't, I could no longer um, combine the two. Um, I'd say, obviously, um, when you get to a certain age, they they don't allow you to play for your, for your local team. So, you know, I did that all the way uh, as far as I could, and um, just played as many football games as, as as I could really. And and do you feel that obviously during that time that it helped that you were able to play a, a lot of games with your friends and. Um, obviously, have that more of that social setting in terms of your development as a player. Yeah, I think so. I think I, you know, I I love training. I love um, all, all the stuff that comes with it. But I think playing football as, as a young kid, I mean, put two goals together, whether that's a proper goal, whether that's jumpers for goalpost, whatever it is. I think you know, playing playing football and enjoying it with your friends and um, becoming obviously more more social with with people, which is um, which is obviously good for the kids at, at my age at the time. And, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, it's a big part of, of growing up and, um, you know, socialising and, and be able to, to communicate and um, have, uh, have relationships with people. When you got your apprenticeship with Oxford, was there all your eggs in one basket of, of becoming a professional footballer or was the other avenues alongside that in terms of studying uh, that, that you took up? Um, probably, probably, or probably all eggs in my basket, um, and and that's not something that I would that I'm proud of saying really, because education is you know so important for for young for young people, young young footballers who aspire to be professionals, but it doesn't it doesn't happen for for lots and lots of kids. And um, what I would say is for sure is make sure you you fully engage in your education. Um, getting some sort of um, grades that, that you need um, is, is really, really important. Yes, football is, is great, but one, it doesn't last forever, and two, um, it's very, very difficult to stay in for, for a long amount of um, years. And um, so education, I'd say, was, was vitally important. So the, the apprenticeship soon followed um, with Oxford United. How did that come about and, and how were you feeling at that point that you, you were signing these terms? 
Um, obviously, my local team really excited. Um, there was only three of us that got that got selected at the time from a quite a, quite a big group. Um, we knew that the year above us had a big group, so we knew there wouldn't be too many um, from my age group to you know to get the, the YTS. Um, but you know, I was one of the three, and you know, really really excited. Um, daunting challenge really um going into a, an environment that you know i was i wasn't a real real outgoing person i wasn't you know one to just bowl into a changing room and, and you know and and create relationships straight away now i was more withdrawn more um take time to to work people out and didn't give much away um you know, and that was that was a real big challenge to start with. Um, but the longer the longer I went on, the you know the more respect I got from the group. How how can that feel then, as as a young lad who, you know, has then been pushed up into in and around the first team? How how can that feel going to in that that some would say cutthroat environment whilst still effectively learning your trade as a young footballer? Yeah, it was it, it was difficult. You know, I was a late developer as well, and. and and, you know, it's not it's not it's not easy to be um, to be you know thrusted into a you know highly charged uh, environment of um, professional people and uh, you know I seem to find a way some way um, to to get around it but um, you know it's, it's a challenge that um, you know I'm very proud that I. You know, I managed to overcome that because that could have that I could have gone one or two ways in in that situation. I could have, you know, gone in my shower or, or you know, took the took the challenge uh, head on, and, and that's that's what I ended up doing. A, a first team debut in, in December '99 soon followed against Luton Town. How, how did you feel prior to the game and in the run up to that game? Was was the nerves? Were you aware that you were going to be playing, or, or was it just sort of again thrust on you and? It was a challenge that you had to overcome. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the, the squad goes up, you know, a day before the game, and um, you don't really get told. You read the list of names, and all of a sudden, I'm on it. Didn't expect to be. So it was a it was a moment that was almost a little bit surreal at the time. Um, didn't know if I was ready. I must have done something right. Um, but you know, it, it was a you know it was a proud time really, and a and a time for me to really kick on and and like this this is what I've worked all all these all these years for, and, and you know the the time is the time is now, and and it, it was time to to almost showcase myself a little bit and uh, take my first step into the into the real game. Was the, was there nerves as you stepped onto the pitch? Of course, of course. I think ner nerves are good. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I get nervous. You know, a lot of the time, and I and I, and I feed off that, and and that's, I think that you can you can really gain some, you know, some positive energy from that. And as long as it doesn't go too far, um, you know, I think nerves are nerves are normal. And you know, I've certainly had those butterflies in the stomach and all all the usual stuff. And uh, yeah, but as soon as you get on the pitch and. and and you get your first touch, you know, it's, you know, it just, be, just became normal to me in the end, really. Pro terms were signed um, not long later and, and more appearances came under the stewardship of, of Dennis Smith. 
how did you feel that your, your progression had gone to this point? And is there anything that, that sticks in your mind that sort of made you push on and kick on from, from when you signed pro terms? Um, yeah, I think, I think when you sign pro terms, you know, you automatically think, okay, that's, that's great. I've, I've made it almost. And, and, you know, that is only the start. That is literally the, the start of a really, really hard, tough, demanding um, journey. If, you know, if, you know, some players, some players, once they sign the first one that, you know, it's, it's almost job done, but you know, that, that was the start of a, um, a real long, tough, tough path. And, you know, Dennis was, Dennis was great with me. Dennis Smith, um, you know, gave me plenty of opportunities um, to play, but, um, you know, I still felt at, at, at the time that, um, you know, I could have played more. I felt like I could have. Um, I felt like I was good enough to. Um, but, you know, also realising I'm a young player, you know, I'm developing, I'm still understanding the game. And, um, you know, sometimes being out of the team is, you know, it, it can it can almost make you a, a better player sometimes. And, you know, that's how he, he, he kind of played it. When, when I didn't play, he kind of told me the reasons why and, um, and to make sure that I watched the game and watched certain, certain players and, you know, learn. You don't, you don't always have to be, you know, on, on the pitch to be learning. So you continued your development with Oxford over, over the next five seasons. And in 2004, as your contract ran down, what were your thoughts on the next stage of your career and were there offers on the table to move away or, or were you keen to stay and, and continue development with the club? Um, I think... I think the, the season that I ended up running my contract out, um, I decided that I, I, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't. I made sure that you know I kept, you know, my my personal opinions of what what I want to do, you know, to myself. And you know, I decided that I that I wasn't going to contract. Um, I wasn't going to whether you know I knew they'd offer me one, and you know I know I was risky at the time with injuries and you know things that things that can happen that, that that's fine but you know I felt that at the time it was it was a challenge for me that you know I wanted to come out of my comfort zone I wanted to you know challenge myself and almost see how far I can go and see what I can achieve and um you know so that 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 shy you know introverted almost character going into the dressing room in the first first instance when I signed um pro you know kind of spun around a little bit and all of a sudden I'm making my own decisions. I'm trying to grow up. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, you know, really challenge myself in, in, um, in getting away from home to start with. Um, and, and obviously there has to be, there has to be offers on the table to, to do that. And, you know, come towards the end of the season, Graham Ritz was in charge. He, you know, he offered me a brilliant contract. Um, he was great with me. Um, yeah, for me, probably one of the biggest contracts a young player could get offered, um, a long-term contract. You know, I could have signed it, could have been living at home, could have been in comfort zone, really, really easy life, um, 10 minutes up the road. But no, I didn't want that. I wanted, to, I wanted to really test myself, really challenge myself. And, you know, I certainly, I certainly got that challenge in, in Sunderland. In, in June 2004, the, the move came to Sunderland on, on a free transfer. I just wanted you to, to elaborate a little bit more on that decision, Dean, because you mentioned there 
you could sit in your comfort zone and play 10 minutes from home and almost be a, a comfortable player. But to move away from you know the Midlands and Oxford to, to the northeast, were there any reservations about moving from home? And ultimately, it was a bit of a, would you say it was a calculated risk to take at that age? Oh, there was loads of reservations, loads of risk. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a difficult, difficult time. Um, I, like I say, I decided that's what I wanted to do, and all of a sudden, I had the opportunity to do it, and it's like, now I've got what I wanted. Am I capable of going through with it and, and doing it? Um, so obviously I decided to, obviously my parents weren't overly keen on, on me doing it, you know, because parents being parents, it's just around the corner, you're playing for your local team, you're a local hero, you know, that, you know, that sort of stuff I didn't really care about. Um, yes, I respect the club, of course, but, you know, I'm going to a proper football club that's just come down from the Premier League, uh, international manager, Mick McCarthy. And um, yeah, so I decided to, I decided to, to, to go to the northeast, you know, long, long, long way away. Um, first time I've ever really been away from home. Um, really, really tough journey up there, to be honest. You know, whether I was thinking whether I made the right decision, is this what I want? Um, I could have, I could just be at home, know everybody. But you know, ultimately, my my obsession for for football and for trying to achieve as, as much as you can um over you know over road all the all the all the nuggets that I was thinking and you know it didn't start great you know I come on and sub the first the first game the second game wasn't involved and you know I'd be at home and my wife come up with me so it's just just me and her and you know we'd sit in sit in the house sometimes and and cry and think what you know what 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 are we doing what why have we done this you know Really, really difficult time, and you know, I got I got into the team probably two, three weeks later, and they never come out of it. So, and 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 this, you know, the journey continued and continued, and you know, we ended up we ended up winning the winning the title that year, and you know, I picked up some some nice awards. So, not not a bad risk, because um, the reward was massive, as as you say, you were, you. Were, promoted to the Premier League or something. How did you find the demands of the game moving to a team playing in the Championship and possibly the expectations of such a big club like Sunderland needing or wanting to get back into the Premier League? Yeah, I think I think that's that's the biggest one. All of a sudden you're going from a small club now now you're at, now you're at a Premier League club, you know, 40, 50,000, the, the higher expectations of the club, of the supporters. Um, the, the that that comes with more pressure there's more pressure on you as a group of players um, there's there's better quality of player um, the game's quicker um, people think quicker people do things quicker um, and look I was going about I had no idea I had no idea I, you know, I knew it was a big club I knew it was you know the passionate fans that uh, up in the northeast but um, the, the demands of the game you know they completely changed and you know I had to be you know I had to be I was a fit lad anyway but I had to be much fitter because um, I wasn't technically brilliant I wasn't um, I wasn't one of those players you know but what I gave in in, in work ethic and, and attitude and work rate um, you know gained, gained a lot of respect within within the club and, and, and the squad so 
yeah, I think huge, um, huge demands on on individuals, um, and then obviously you, you come together. Did you ever envisage playing in the Premier League? I always dreamed, always dreamed of playing in the Premier League. Um, would I have envisaged, envisaged it? Possibly, possibly not. But you know, I always, I always had a, a inner self confidence and inner belief that um, I'd certainly have a have a go. I'd try. You know, I'd, I'd give it my best shot. Um, and you know, it's uh, you know, it's something I'm, you know, really, really happy to achieve the the, the many years I, I did play in the Premier League. The year you won promotion, um, you were also voted as Players' Player of the Year. Now, surely that has to be the highest accolade you can receive as a player. Yeah, you know, especially when you when you've had a successful season. If you had a successful season as a, as a team and, and you win the title, you know that means a lot of players are doing a lot of things right. Um, you know, in in terms of individuals and um, yeah, it was really nice. I mean, they're great awards, and they you know when they, you, you work and spend you spend more time with with the players and you, you do with your wife and, and your family so um you know for them to for them to pick you out and sing you out as the you know is, is the is their best player then it's you know it's really nice but um then you have to go and prove yourself again the you know the following year not as planned but relegation back to the championship soon followed how does that impact you not only as a player but but also a club and and how can relegation sort of linger? Oh, it, it, it most certainly can because you know when when you when you get relegated from the Premier League, we we was a young a young um, group going into the Premier League at, at the time. Um, we didn't have a lot of experience amongst us. There was a few, but there, there wasn't there wasn't too many. Um, and you almost come into it. You almost get into the. You know, we had a habit of winning in the Championship. We had a momentum, and then all of a sudden it's flipped on its head. We had a now we now we're now we have the losing mentality. Now we have the momentum of losing, finding ways to lose, um, and it's and it's very very difficult to to get yourself out of that rut. And and you, you see it a lot. You see um, you see teams who get relegated who, who don't start too great. Um, you know the following season, and you know it's not. I don't think it's a mentality thing. I don't think it's a it's a physical or tactical or technical or, or whatever you, you might call it. It's it's just a group of players, you know, trying to swing that um, the pendulum the other way a little bit, and you know sometimes that takes a little bit of time, and, and that certainly certainly happened for us at the start of the you know that following season um, because we got off to a I think we played and no manager at the time, and then uh, and then that changed. In the 2006-2007 season, you were named captain of the club under the stewardship of Roy Keane. That must have been a pretty proud and surreal moment in your career. Yeah, of course. Um, you, I mean, you you go through lots of coaches, lots of managers, and uh, you know we come across one that you know had won you know that many Premier League titles, European titles, and they got trophies coming out of his ears, and you know. An international player that um, you know was one of the one of the world's best in his position, in my opinion. And you know, all of a sudden, he's 
you know, he, he gives you the armband and um, you almost have to uh, try and get to the standards that, that he expects. And, you know, that's, that's probably higher than, than maybe that I could reach, but, you know, you have to, you have to try and you have to practice and, um, and try and try and get to those levels. And, you know, if, if you, if you don't, then, then you don't, but, um, you certainly, if, if you are having a, having a go and, and understanding and, and working towards how he wants you to, um, you know, he, he, not too much of a problem, you know, he's quite a calm, calm guy, you know, contrary to what, what you might come across on the, on Sky Sports and stuff. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a man that's you know, got a huge aura, a huge ego about him and, um, and rightly so, because, you know, he's been at the top of the game for so long and, um, yeah, proud, proud moment. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of experienced players in the dressing room that almost ran that for, for me, really. And I just you know, stuck the armband on and walked out in front um, and just cracked on, really. There'd been offers for your services during, during your time with Sunderland before the move to Stoke came. How can interest like that affect a player? Um, yeah, I think it can. It can. Um, but, you know, we have to deal with lots of speculation, lots of paper talk, lots of criticism. Um, and sometimes you have to take it with a pinch of salt and until, until people say otherwise the club or your agent, then you, then you, you just kind of continue. But I remember at the time coming to the end of the Sunderland career, I think it was time for me to go. It was time. I think the club were probably happy for me to go in the end. Um, I can remember the last game at Bolton. We played Bolton, um, I think it was at home, and I got booed every time I touched the ball. And you know, I'd had a, I'd had a successful time there, um, and you know that it was a little bit disappointing. But um, I think you know they they wanted a bit of freshness, something different, um, and you know they they pay their money, they they. They can criticise and, and, and sing songs about what they want, and uh, you know it was just it was just a little bit, a little bit, um, put a little bit of a damper on it really. And uh, but you know I, I had good times there, and you know I moved on to Stoke in the end, and I think both both clubs were, were happy. You joined, as you mentioned there, you joined Stoke in, in the summer of two thousand and nine, and and stated that the, the team spirit was a factor in your move to the club. What was it that made you decide to move from the club that you, that you captained to Premier League sort of newcomer Stoke? Was the teammates there or previous teammates there who, who sold the club to you? Um, I think there was there was a couple of I think Liam Lawrence was there at the time that you know he moved he moved um, a little bit before me. But like I said, it was it wasn't a difficult move for me because you know I felt my time was was up at up at Sunderland. Um, you know you have that you have that feeling in your gut and, and your feeling that. You know, it was time, and, and Stoke was 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 the perfect club for me. Um, you know, it's, it's a place where you know I found my home quite you know, just up the road from Stoke now, and um, had my kids, and you know, had wonderful times there with a great bunch of lads, and we achieved what we achieved there was under Tony was you know, you know remarkable, and yes, yeah, so it was a it was another great chapter in my in my career. You went on to make. Um, over 100 appearances for the club and 
the hundredth appearance came in a, a two-one victory in the Europa League against Maccabi Tel Aviv. So you mark the occasion with a goal as well. So how meteoric was that club's progression from, as you say, Premier League newcomers to the Europa League? And how did you enjoy your time there? Yeah, no, I, like I say, I love, I love my time there. Um, like I say, a set of lads that from when I first joined, yes, we added quality as we went along. But when I first joined, it was a bunch of lads that, you know, would give their all, would give everything uh, for each other. Um, for themselves, for the manager, and um, and we'd and we'd find find ways to to win football matches and going from a team that had just been promoted to now Europa League, you know, qualify FA Cup final, um, you know, comfortable finishes in the top half of the Premier League, which isn't easy um, for anybody, and uh, you know we yeah, we 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 had that. That mentality that um, you know we'll run through brick walls for for, for each other and, and the manager and um, yeah that that's priceless I think if you can if you can gain that that togetherness. Four years at Stoke came to an end when the club ultimately released you at the end of the 2012-13 season. What sort of emotions can can you go through as a player when when your contract ends and you are released? I mean you mentioned you let your contract run down at Oxford. How did it feel now knowing that you were not getting a deal and, and, and how could that affect you as a player? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a different different situation this time. Um, you know, all of a sudden, it's coming to the end of, end of my four years there, we had a great time and, you know, the lads were brilliant all together and, and uh, no, it was, uh, it was really, really disappointing to leave. Um, but I understood it, you know, I'm, Probably what by now thirty, maybe. I think I'm thirty at this point, and you know the club's trying to go again and getting some younger players. I think of Steven Zondi come in, um, ended up going to Seville and Roma. You know, really top player. Um, so you know, it was, it was disappointed. I don't think it, it it affects you. I think you you take that journey that you've been on is a is a positive, and 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 then you go into the next one. As excited as you were previously, and, and and ready to ready to achieve more more success. A move back up north to, to Middlesbrough came under Tony Mowbray, and he was quoted as saying that your experience of promotion from the Championship was key to, to the signing. Does that then come with an added pressure with the move and, and heightened expectations? Um, maybe I think you know, I think I'm an experienced player, you know. I've, I've got out of the league, you know, a couple of times before that, and you know, it didn't it didn't kind of help Tony in the at the, at the beginning. Because he didn't he didn't last very long, but um, you know, I think when I went to when I went to Middlesbrough, I, I in the last game I played for Stoke at Southampton, um, I kind of I tweaked my soleus in my um, you know just below my calf and between my Achilles, and you know I had to rest it over the summer. And, and and to be honest, I didn't go back to Middlesbrough in the best of shape that you know the best shape I could do. And you know I was playing a little bit of catch up um, because I couldn't I couldn't do my off season program and um, wanted to make sure that I was right. Um, but you know by the time I was I was up and up and running, um, we started poorly, and um, and Tony obviously. Um, Paid the price for that, and you know, then we then we got uh, an I talk cranker in. So uh, you know, things things changed a little bit from there on.
you spent two years at Middlesbrough before moving to Huddersfield. At this point in your career, are you starting to plan for life after football? I think I start. I started to do that um, when I all come in at Middlesbrough. Um, you know, I, he's he's a great guy. I, I speak to him even now, and you know, he's he got me to make sure I, I started my badges then, um, and you know, I did I did that and. Um, you know, he gave me advice on on anything that I wanted. Um, you know, he was really, really influential and, and important into into me starting. You know, such an early. I, I knew I wanted to go into coaching, but I didn't know when when I wanted to start doing my badges. And you know, because it takes a little bit of time and lots of work to go over. But because I was still concentrated on and focused on my own um, performances and my own. Um, you know, fitness and, and and concentration off the pitch. So as you start that journey on your coaching badges, do, do you start to see the game differently now that you, you're sort of going into the other side of, of the game? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, as a, as a player, um, I can only speak personally, but, you know, I, would, I was only concentrated on myself, making sure my performance levels were right. Once they were, then I could start, you know, Helping others, you know, uh, in terms of on the pitch, and you know when I'm watching games, and you know, you just, just I just just watch games for the, you know, you don't really take much in when you when you watch it, you know, when you're just chilling out and, and you're watching the game go on in the background or whatever, and but now all of a sudden, you know, that's changed, and you're looking at different systems, different formations, how teams press, how how to you know how teams build up, and um, you know, it's really really it's something that's you know, it fascinates me the amount of um, different ways there are to to play the game. Yes, we we love the way we love the way Pep does it, and you know I think he's he's unbelievable the way that he you know you think you've cracked it, and then he finds another way, and then he finds another way, um, and you know all the, all these foreign coaches that have come into the game now, um, you know they're bringing bringing so much to, to, to the English game and but hopefully there's still room for you know us, us English coaches to to find a pathway as well. You took your first role at, at Huddersfield Towns on the 17th side. How did your first game as a manager compare to your first game as a player? Well, I won my first game as a player and I lost quite heavily as the first coach. So, uh, yeah, we lost 4-1 to Lincoln away and you know, it was it was something that you know. All of a sudden, you know, when I was playing, I was that young boy in a dressing room, didn't say a word, sat in the corner. All of a sudden, now I'm the one they're all looking at. I'm the one that they're looking at for answers for how do we do this, how do we do that, what happens if this happens, and I'm the, I'm now now the man that you know that answers it. And you know, it was it was good, enjoyed it. Um, you know, and I had plenty. Plenty more good experiences, you know. After that bad start, would you say there was a big learning experience undertaken there in your first sort of managerial role? Yeah, I think so. I think you, you learn you learn lots all the time. Um, very very quickly, you, you get to you get to know what how people um, work, how they take on information, how they act, how they communicate, um, what sort of characters they are. 
what's their background. You know, I think this is all really important stuff for, for a coach going into a, into a team, um, learning how to deal with different types of characters and, um, and give them leadership, give them direction um, on what you want and, and, and deliver those, those messages very clearly and, you know, and, and keep reinforcing them. And, um, and that's something that, you know, I, I learned quite quickly. Um, I was only with the 17s for three months and I moved on to the, to the 19s and the, and the B team. And you know, all of a sudden you're, you're getting older players, you're getting um, better players. And, you know, they come up with, with more difficult, art, difficult questions they ask you. And, and you have to make sure you're ready and you, and you, and you answer them. And um, I find the most challenging thing actually, um, I don't know how you find it as a coach. Um, it's sometimes when, especially especially in academy level, um, half times uh, of, are, are interesting for me, and um, on how people deal with deal with the half time situation. Um, yeah, I tend to I tend to give myself a couple of minutes um, to think think things through, and um, and then decide what I'm going to deliver to them, and. Uh, you know, that's that's the, the biggest challenge I found, especially in the first, you know, the first couple of three or four games. Um, like I say, because I'm used to normally listening. Now all of a sudden I have to come up with, you know, the, the half-time talk. And, you know, that I found that that was probably the most most challenging thing for me at the time. Yeah, I think, I think personally for me, Dean, it's, do you say too much? Do you say too little? It's getting the yeah. right and with the right detail for them, um, because ultimately that can be your, your make or break. And I think for me personally, I, I work mainly the younger ages. It's more a case of sort of individual and unit tweaks. Um, okay. You know, and um, unfortunately, I made day job to work in an education program with with sixteen to eighteen year olds. Um, not not at the level of of obviously Huddersfield, but again, you don't want to baffle them too much. You want to try and simplify the game for them so that they can. Go out and enjoy it, but also make a change. And I think, like you say, there the, the fine lines between too much or too little is is tough to get right. Yeah, it is and you know, hopefully, I've got the balance right now. And I think it depends. It does depend what age group you're at, whether you go into tactically not not so much. Obviously, when until they get to a certain age, I would I would imagine. And um, and you know, obviously, correcting what's you feel has gone wrong, I suppose. In 2009, I'm sorry. Sorry, no, you, sorry, Karen. I was saying in 2019, you, you joined Sam Ricketts backroom staff at, at Shrewsbury. How did that move come about? So obviously I, um, I was, he was one of the, the apprentices that, um, that was in my same age group when I, when I signed YHS at Oxford. So, you know, I've, I've known him for many years. Then we, we took different paths, um, I obviously stayed a little bit longer at Oxford and then moved on to, to Sunderland. And you know, he he moved down the down the, the footballing pyramid, as you say, and then and then obviously worked his way back up through through Swansea, through through Bolton, through Wolves, through Hull. Um, and uh, you know, he you know, he gave me a call one day and um, obviously I was really, really enjoying my time at, at Huddersfield and working with some real, real talented players and, you know, 
three or four or five of them had already made their debuts in the first team. So, you know, the process was working. Um, and, yeah, but I always had a, you know, an inkling in the back of my mind that, that first team football was, was for me. You know, I've been in, been in that environment for all my career, really. And um, you know, it's sad, sad to leave Huddersfield behind um, and, and moved on to, on to Shrewsbury, which... Um, you know, it was, you know, another culture shock in terms of the facilities, the, you know, what, what sort of player you're, you're, you're working with, um, how many, how many staff members there are actually to work. Uh, we had lots, lots and lots of staff. I think we turned up, I turned up there and, and you know, there wasn't, there was barely, there's barely any, so there's probably one physio. We had a, um, one analyst intern we had, um, one master, one goalkeeping coach, um, one sports science and, and a chef and Kim and, and, that, and that was it. And that was us. And, and, you know, we have to, we have to work with that and, um, you know, high pressure in the high pressure environment in terms of, you, you know, I think at the time Sam was under a little bit of pressure to win games and, you know, like it is in, in, in any, any football club at the, at first team level, it's not like academy where you can go and develop. You can make mistakes. That's fine, but now, now your jobs are on on the line, and um, you know it's 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 tough when um, when you got so much demands on you and in such in such little facility, really. You were later promoted to, to assistant manager, and one thing I'm interested in is is how did your role and sort of duties change from from being part of the staff to, to now assistant manager, was was there more pressure that came with that? Yeah, I think I, I think so. Um, I think as a first team coach, um, um, yeah, you don't have as much. Yes, you have a say, of course. Um, you know, set pieces were designated to me at the time, um, so I'd make sure I, you know, I. I studied the, the opposition for set plays, you know, where they were weak and, and, and flipped it over. How could we um, and do it? And, and likewise for them, where, where are they strong? How do they attack the ball? Or, you know, where should we put our you know, main heads of the ball when defending? Um, and, and obviously when you go to assistant manager, you, you then come up with the, the game plan together um, for us, for, you know, the set pieces together. So all of a sudden there was only, they're going from three, we went from three, um, from a manager, assistant manager, first team coach, to just a manager and assistant manager now. Okay. So less staff, more more work. Um, you know, we'd we'd sit and watch two or three games. We'd go through it. We'd, we'd analyze it. We'd then come up with a game plan, and we'd get the set plays up. And you know, it's all time consuming. And and, and I think that's one thing I'd, I'd um, definitely reflect on is is time management. Time management in you know that that part of the of the of the game when you when your time is limited, um, you know, organising your time because um, obviously the manager had he had so many different other things that you know his phone was non-stop, um, just so so many so many different things, and, and, and you don't you barely get time to you know worry about football, the, the actual tactics, the actual what's going on in the game. You know, so many things. So you know, it kind of that was kind of left. Not, not for me on my own, but um, you know, he'd have to he'd, he'd bob in and bob out, and um, 
you know, become, you know, become, yeah, definitely more pressure because, you know, you're, you're a little bit further up the, up the line, I suppose. Is, is there a role that you, you, you prefer, whether that be, you know, a coach, assistant, or, or is there aspirations to, to take the, the hot pot of, of being a manager? I think, um, yeah, of course, I think, I think that's my end goal. I want to be, I want to be the head coach. I want to be the, the manager. Um, but that wouldn't, I don't think that would change in terms of the way, you know, the way I do things, you know, I like, I love being a coach. I love being on, on the grass. I'd be very, if, you know, if I was a head coach or a manager, I'd be very hands-on, uh, you know, I'd be on the, on the grass all the time, working with the players you know, individually, collectively units. Um, so, yeah, obviously I do want to be a head coach, but um, I understand that I need as much experience and, and, and just getting out coaching, you know, every day is, um, is where I want to be. So you're currently studying the UEFA Pro Licence. How, how have you found the journey into coaching Dean and, and the demands that comes with the qualifications? Yeah, um, you know, I was I was lucky enough to to get my A and B done before I I retired uh, at Huddersfield, and you know I fell into you know a club at the right time under the right manager in David Wagner, um, gave me a you know an unbelievable opportunity to to shadow him for six months, you know Premier League season and um, and understand what happens, what goes on in meetings, you know how they come up with the game plan. Um, how they discuss, um, you know, the opposition and what goes on in recruitment. How how the morning meetings work in terms of who's fit, um, how much can they do, uh, what shall we do, how do we do, it? how do we structure it, how do we organise it, um, and and you know that gave me a real real leg up, real head start in um, in coaching to start with, and you know in terms of the pro license, you know, I think I'm, I'm now doing. Um, Lots on leadership, lots on um, character traits and football trends, and you know all the all the long, heavy stuff that, um, that you wouldn't necessarily look at. And uh, you know, understanding understanding you as a character, and you know what you're good at, what you're not so good at, and you know where where you where you need to improve. What does the future hold for you, Naldine? What does the future hold for me? Um, hopefully, it's the future's kind. Um, you know, uh, you know, I've had that. I've got my two months out now, and you know, I'm just waiting for for an opportunity um, to build my reputation as a coach, and uh, and hopefully, some point along along the journey, um, be head coach somewhere. Hopefully, fantastic. Before we head to our, our finishing the quick fire question round, what, what advice would you give to any aspiring players or coaches? I think players, um, I would say always challenge yourself, um, believe in yourself. Um, don't fear, don't fear anybody. Um, and, you know, work as hard as you can and, and um, just be a, just just be a just be a good person, really. Love that. Uh, quick fire question round. I'm not going to say it's infamous because um, it's probably not, but it's it's a chance to to get an insight into you in in a quick 
quick fire way. So who's the best manager or coach you've played under? I think David Wagner, just just because it, it, was, it was the German style, you know, coming something different. Um, and, you know, I'm a big fan of German football. And uh, they, you know, they've got some top teams. Best friend in football? Um, got a couple. Um, got a couple, really. Um, Tommy Smith, obviously, he was a good friend of mine that, from Huddersfield, Mark Hudson as well. Um, obviously, Sam Ricketts is, is a good friend of mine that goes back years. So, uh, yeah. That's a few. There's a few. Toughest opponent? Ooh, that's a bit unfair because there's, there's so many. Um, so many when you talk when you talk about the Premier League, you've got, you've got Gerrard's Lampard's, Yario Torres, De Bruyne's, Bale's, Ronaldo's, you know all of those. But I think one that sticks out for me, um, Luka Modric. Uh, you know, I got sent off the day he made me. You know, off he goes, son. Back in the, in the bath early, and uh, I was probably glad to be in the bath there. To be fair, because I was getting the absolute run around from him, so <laughs> I was happy. In there. I, rem- I remember that game well. Um, Best player played with? Um, best player played with? I think there's a lot of players that, you know, people wouldn't, you know, probably associate with being best players, but you know, offered so much um, to the group, to the team. Uh, when I talk about that, I talk about like Matty Everington, Johnny Walters, you know, those type of players, Robert Oof, who just give, just give you everything. Um, you know exactly what you're getting, and and you wouldn't want to play against them. Um, but I'll probably say from from Stoke, I'll probably say the big the big man up top, um, just because of his all round. You know, like the way you know he can he can take the ball in. He can he's six foot seven, but he's you know, he's decent with his feet, yeah. and uh, just the character. He's just a top character, top bloke, you know, funny, and uh, you know he delivers the goods and. You know, I'll always remember the goal against City. Um, yeah. The stadium was absolutely bouncing and uh, no good times. So crouchy. Yeah. What's been your best moment in football to date? Uh, my best moment? I don't know. Obviously, I've, obviously I've captained, captained a, a big club and you know, won a couple of titles, uh, you know, championship titles and but I think I think playing in Europe, FA Cup final, you know, they're big, yeah, big moments, and and getting promoted to the Premier League at, the, at 35. I said yes, I didn't play loads, but my my impact um, in other ways, um, you know, was you know, if I was as proud as I have with that than than I did when I was you know played 40, 45, 46 games, so. Um, you know, a, collect, a collective real one, really. What's been your biggest wow moment? Anything that's really taken you back? Um, I think probably take football away, probably. Um, I'd probably say um, my two, having my two boys, um, uh, how, you know, how good my wife was in terms of um, dealing with that and... Um, you know, I salute all women that, you know, have, have children because, uh, you know, they do an unbelievable job. And you know, that for me at, at the time when I was having a good time at Stoke as well, 
you know, come at a really great time for me. Who's been the biggest role model or influence on your footballing career? I think, um, I think obviously my parents drove me around everywhere. Um, and then obviously when, when I went, met my wife, um, our journey started, you know, just before I went to Sunderland. So, you know, three, three really big influences on, on, on my career. And, you know, lots of, lots of good coaches. Um, Mickey Lewis, obviously, he passed away, you know, not long ago, two, three days ago. And, um, you know, he was really my mentor at Oxford. And, you know, he really showed me the ropes, looked after me. And, um, you know, a huge influence on my early, early career. Describe yourself in three words. Oof. Honest, loyal, um, competitive. And then our final one is, is there anybody you would recommend or like to hear on the podcast? Um, who would I like to hear on the podcast? Have you had Crouchy on or anyone like that? Oofy, you've had Oofy on. I'm not quite at those levels in, in terms of that, but I would I would love to to get somebody like Crouchy or Hoothie on, but... We've had Rory on. Rory's been on. Rory on, yeah. Danny Pugh. Uh, has been on as well. Uh, okay. Andy Wilkinson? I'm, I'm trying to push Dicko for that. So we've had Carl Dickinson on as well. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to drop Wilco in. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll see what we can do in terms of that. But yeah. did, I mean, you, you'll probably be pleased to know, mate, that's the end of the, the quick fire question round and any, yeah, any sort of comfortableness. Um, I just, I just want to say a massive thank you, really, for taking the time to, to speak to us. Um, the insights into your career and your coaching has, has been invaluable, not just for me, but for our listeners. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll you'll find a, a way back into football soon. And we, we wish you all Lovely. the best. Yeah, thank you very much. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Hello, we are Tal Central UK, local Tal stock is here on Trentham Box, Stanley Matthews Way. Our opening hours are 8 till 5 in the week and Saturdays till 12. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the content that we're trying to bring to you. Don't forget, new episodes will be released every Monday. You can find us on the iTunes store, Spotify, and if you want to see the video, you can see it on our YouTube channel, PCT Football Coaching.